I'm Ellie Taylor and welcome to Deal With It, a podcast that boldly addresses some of the most important issues that we so often choose to ignore, why we shouldn't ignore them and what we can do about them. Brought to you by Corsidor Toothpaste. Gum disease affects at least 50% of adults. It can cause bad breath, bleeding gums and untreated can lead to receding gums and eventually tooth loss. And yet we know two-thirds of sufferers ignore this serious problem. Corsidal toothpaste is here to help. When used twice daily, it's clinically proven to help stop and prevent bleeding gums. So get on with it and deal with it. Today, we tackle society's fear of ageing. If we're lucky, ageing is something that will happen to all of us. But with age comes increased risk of diseases and disabilities. The good news is that ill health can be reduced or avoided entirely if we take steps to actively improve our mentality, behaviours and habits. This episode looks at positive, practical ways we can improve our mental and physical well-being into old age, challenge the negative stigmas associated with ageing and shift our perspective for the better. I'm delighted today to be joined by GP and media medic, Dr Zoe Williams. So Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel like we need to say at the beginning, we're both very young. (laughs) (laughs) We are, aren't we? And I think when we talk about ageing, it's kind of like, what are we talking about? You know, I turned 40 recently and to me that's quite old, but to A lot of people, that's very, very young. I think the parameters change as you get older. Like, so when I was, you know, when you're a teenager, you think like, God, someone 25. Oh, God. (laughs) Probably go through the menopause. Um, But yeah, as you you sort of go up the ladder, it sort of, yeah, it changes a little bit. But I I feel like we need to flag at the beginning. Obviously, I'm late 30s, you're 40. Like, we're not at our old, old age. But I suppose it's always worth thinking about it because, as I said in the introduction, ideally it will happen to all of us. Um, And I suppose it's interesting talking about at the start to sort of, to think about the fact that society, we, we still value youth so highly. It's like the most prized commodity that we have. What do you think are the most damaging effects of this and how do we address them? It's such a cultural thing, isn't it? I think it's something that we talk about from the minute we're able to talk. We define ourselves firstly by our name, secondly by how old are you? And we go through our lives valuing that number, that chronological number so much. And I think as you get older, it kind of sticks with you. But once you're no longer a child, as soon as you're, I guess, out of your teens, I think whether somebody is 19 or 21 doesn't matter. And then as you get older, whether somebody is 40 or 50, it doesn't matter. Yet we still just are obsessed with asking people their age and I guess judging them to some extent by that number, which which actually doesn't really mean that much when you think about it. You kind of have a chronological age, which is that number of how long you've been here, and then a biological age, which can be very, very different. And I guess some of the things we'll talk about is how to, you can't change your chronological age, unfortunately, but there are things that you can do to have some impact on your biological age. That's, yeah, I think that's really interesting about being sort of hung up on people's ages. Uh, I am nine years younger than my husband. So when we first started dating, I was mid-20s, he was mid-30s. And it was such a big thing to me. I made such a big deal of it. I would sort of tease him. Uh, and now, of course, we've been together a million years. It's It really is so irrelevant, the age <laughs> difference at his age and my age. It really it really doesn't make a difference at all. Yeah, my, my dad is hilarious. He's very, he's really offended 
if people ask him his age or want to talk about it. So you say to my dad, how old are you? He's like, I'm no age at all. What do you mean? And he's really, he's, he's a bit weird about it to the extent that when it was his 40th birthday, a surprise party was organised for him. And um, and he walked into the room and it was like, surprise! And uh, he literally took one look at his wife, turned around, <laughs> walked straight back out of the room in a huff. But he was so annoyed because he's like, I don't want people to know how old I am. My mother has maintained to my niece and nephew that she's 25. And whenever... They've asked how old she is and she's she's never wavered. And so now they're like, Nanny's 25. That's like, for some reason, she's younger than Auntie Ellie, but that's, that's the way it is. Whether we want to accept the fact we're, we're going to age, hopefully it will happen to us. So how yeah. can we plan for some of the challenges that ageing poses for us? I think for most of us, we just have to accept that we are going to age. Like I say, I am 40, I am young, but I am already feeling the effects of my joints and my bones ageing, as I'm sure many other people are. Um, But we can mitigate that. There are many, many things that we can all do. And it it all comes back to our lifestyles generally. Um, So it comes down to what we eat, how active we are, how much we use our bodies, um, how stressed we are, and, and things like smoking, drinking too much. And if we have a healthy lifestyle, then we can not slow down necessarily, wouldn't be the right term, but we can mitigate some of those inevitable effects of getting older. Yeah, I sometimes it feel like the, the the way that we're so sort of scared of ageing and how we try and hide and avoid ageing is sort of linked with what it inevitably leads to, which is death, which again is an inevitability, what happens to all of us. But I think, especially in the West, we don't really talk about death. It's still very much a taboo subject. How do you think we can move away from this fear? And do you think that's quite important to address it head on? I do, actually. And obviously, the job that I do, it's something that I have experienced. I have experienced a lot of death. And death doesn't have to be scary. In fact, I've experienced patients dying and it's been it's been a, a positive thing. Like my first ever experience of somebody, of seeing somebody die was before I was a doctor. It's when I was working as an auxiliary nurse on the hospital ward. And um, one of the nurses said to me, look, if you're free, can I ask you to do something? This patient in this bed is very rapidly approaching the end of her life. And I want to go and phone phone her family so that they can come and be with her. But I'm going to draw the curtains and I just want you to sit with her until I come back. So I sat with this lady. She was unconscious. I held her hand and her breathing just started to gradually change. And it changed in a way that her inhales got shorter and her exhales got longer. And then she just took this long breath in and this even longer breath out. She was completely peaceful. I was there and I just stroked her hand. And it wasn't scary. Um, It wasn't unpleasant. If anything, it was kind of so peaceful. And she took that last breath. And it was sad that her family weren't there, that I shared that moment with her rather than her family. But I thought, what a privilege to actually be there when somebody took their last breath. So I think that in this, it's our society and our culture, death is something that we fear Uh, something we don't talk about and something that we're really shocked by. We're really shocked when people die, yet it is the only single individual thing in life that is completely inevitable. And I do think we should be more educated and speak more openly about it. We don't talk about the experience of dying as it usually is, which, you know, 
unfortunately not not always, but most people who who die die in a dignified, kind, peaceful, pain-free way. But most people never most people I don't think can even imagine that happening. Yeah. My mum always says she just wants to die with her lover. So I think that's lovely. That is lovely. Uh, <laughs> it's very Romeo uh, and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> just a letter. I haven't told my dad that. Um <laughs> Um, so let's talk about different approaches to aging. There's obviously a massive, massive industry uh, all to do with wellness, but there are so many sort of scams and just nonsense things out there promising eternal youth. Are there any funny things that you've come across that are just, you know, laughable? I mean, the, the skincare industry, the whole skincare industry, well, to say all was probably unfair, but the majority of the skincare industry it's just built on a lie. Um, it's fake news. And never have we been more alerted to fake news. And what we know with fake news is that there's always a thread of truth in it. And some of the most expensive face creams on the market talk about how they bust free radicals and how they are full of antioxidants. And, and the truth is that free radicals do cause aging. So busting them is a good thing. And antioxidants can slow down aging so they're a good thing as well but actually when you're slapping that cream on your face it's not even getting through the outer layer of the skin it's just sitting on the surface although in a petri dish with some skin cells it might have an effect when you pay 200 quid and slap the stuff on your face it does absolutely nothing so it does to some extent it does anger me that people will see that word anti-aging you'd never get away with it if that was a medicine or a drug but because it's a cosmetic, they can pretty much write what they want and it's a load of tosh. God, yeah, I think I'm a sucker for that. And I like to think I'm a reasonably clever woman, but if someone says there's this thing and it's really, it's a peel you put on and it stings quite a lot, but you know, it's up and it's only like 15 quid. Yes, online, I'm getting it straight away. That's what I sort of focus on. It's 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 visible aging. Yeah. I don't seem to, I don't really think about like my internal health. I'm not really worried about that. It's not like I just think oh, I'm going to eat a thousand bits of broccoli a day to try and make me healthy, but I will buy anything that will <laughs> make me look 22. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about us, doesn't it? Because mm. it's like, actually, are we bothered about aging or are we bothered about other people's perception of us aging because those visible signs of aging in our skin we're really concerned about whereas if we're told that I don't know our cholesterol is raised or um our blood sugars are too high and there is early signs of, of disease that are in some respects related to aging we might be less concerned about it and I think it is to some extent as well it depends on who you are I think where I work as a GP I work with quite a deprived population and I think they're much less bothered about their crow's feet than a lot of the people that I work with in the media industry for example. Yeah I remember when uh, the corona uh, lockdown got you know put in place I was you know obviously it was worrying and scary but the thing I was most annoyed about was that I booked to have Botox <laughs> and the appointment had been cancelled and I was like well this is the real tragedy here and <laughs> stuff like that where you're like Oh, I think your priorities might be a little bit wrong, a little bit wrong here. Um, I'm good friends with a cosmetic doctor. I actually do a podcast with him and two others. And um, on one of our episodes, that's what we talked about. And he told us some pretty interesting stories about how his clients are begging him and offering 
offering him profuse amounts of money to go to their house to do Botox. And he said one of his clients is wearing a mask, not because she's trying to protect herself or protect others, but she doesn't want anyone to see what her actual lips look like when she hasn't got filler. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, Mm. my God. Yeah, because cosmetic surgery, I think since the rise of social media has just gone you know, got bigger and bigger and has become more sort of ubiquitous. And you, I just think there's so many, there's probably like, I don't know, 80% of people on TV seem to have had something done. Especially if you're in LA, one of my best mates lives in LA. And when I go there and you think, I just don't know, I wouldn't even be able to guess how old you actually are. And I think those women that own it and just own their age, like Emma Thompson and Diane Keaton, Julia Roberts, I think they just look even more beautiful. Personally, I think they look even more beautiful for for showing the reality and sort of ageing gracefully, but ageing honestly as well. If people are sort of wanting to go down the cosmetic surgery route um, to stop visible ageing, what are the things that you would need to be aware of? My, really, I have two tips when it comes to that. First one is do not let somebody who is not appropriately qualified stick needles in your face ever that is stupid never do that and the second one is um as much as possible if there's a non-permanent option go for that rather than a permanent for botox and fillers and, and lots of other cosmetic procedures that are available what you should be doing is having the ones that last three to six months so say if we want to leave cosmetic surgery out of it we don't want to do anything sort of fake to ourselves how much good can just eating well and exercising those basic tenants can they really make that much difference to aging yeah absolutely they can make a huge difference so when we were talking about face creams and we were talking about free radicals being bad they can accelerate aging and antioxidants being good they can effectively slow down the aging process well there are a load of things that you can do to reduce free radicals and boost antioxidants. And it just comes back to lifestyle. So we think about diet, eating food that's highly processed um, can cause inflammation in the body and can increase free radicals. Um, And we know that foods like fruits and vegetables, especially colourful fruits and vegetables, are jam-packed with antioxidants. Think about exercise. A sedentary lifestyle actually does increase inflammation in the body. So again, can create these free radicals, can start to damage DNA in the cells, which is effectively aging. Whereas being regularly active can actually boost boost antioxidants and and prolong the life of of mitochondria. So we're getting very scientific now, but mitochondria are like the little batteries, the little battery packs of the cells. And in order to reduce aging as much as possible you want to have loads of mitochondria and you want them to be healthy and moving your body regularly supports mitochondrial health Uh, and then stress stress is a big one so psychological stress actually leads to physical stress in the body and again it's all about this inflammation which we're talking about more and more chronic systemic inflammation causes a state in the body and therefore a state in the cells that promotes free radicals which damage DNA, which causes aging. So all that stuff that you slap on your face that doesn't get through the surface, you can actually create the same effect internally by eliminating stress as much as possible, eating a really healthy diet full of fruit and vegetables and being regularly active. Don't smoke and don't drink too much alcohol. Although in lockdown, that's quite difficult to do, isn't it? 
very, very hard. Um, can you give us some tips for sort of different aspects of our life? Then I'll go through a list. So how can we improve our skin and muscle tone for a start? The biggest thing when it comes to skin aging is, is sun exposure, followed by smoking, um, followed by all the other things that we've spoken about. So healthy diet, physical activity, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to skin, like sun, 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 that's the biggest one, SPF. And muscle tone really is about how much fat you have covering the muscle. So the appearance of muscle depends on how much fat is covering it. Having said that, though, muscles, having muscle, lean muscle on your body is, I think, one of the most important things that we can focus on when it comes to ageing for multiple reasons. One, for function, especially as we get older, having strength to do the things that we need to do. And as we're approaching much later in life, you know, the difference between being able to get up out of a chair independently with muscle strength and not is the difference between having your independence and living at home or needing to go into a care home. But also, interestingly, muscles, lean muscle, when it's activated, releases chemicals into the body that are anti-inflammatory, that are antioxidant. So actually having lean muscle and activating it regularly also has a positive impact when it comes to ageing. So they will make your mitochondria less angry? Yeah. Um, oh my God, so I'm a doctor. Oh my God. <laughs> this is very impressive. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so when, you, when, you might, when you've been sedentary for long periods of time, the little mitochondria, these little batteries, they kind of get all charged up and angry and start to produce free radicals. It can lead to damage of the cell, damage of the cell. it can lead to ageing. Um, so lean muscle produces something called myokines, they're a type of cytokine, they're a chemical signal. Um, and that has an overall effect on the body of reducing inflammation. And as we've been learning more and more about this over the sort of, about the past 10 years, this is how we've been able to make sense of the fact that having an active lifestyle, but also having strong muscles reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease. It actually reduces your risk of more than 20 of the most common chronic diseases by at least 20%. So my advice to people who are, might be listening to this, who do very little or do nothing, is start low, start with something easy, just a walk or even just sitting and standing out of the chair. Start low and go slow, build it up gradually. Um, okay, and then moving on to heart health, what can we do to improve that? Really, there are there are three bits that we need to think about. The first one is cardiovascular exercise. Um, doing that for about 30 minutes a day can really significantly reduce your risk of heart problems. It helps with cholesterol control, it helps with blood pressure control, and it helps with keeping your blood vessels healthy, so your veins and your arteries healthy as well. And then diet. There's a lot of, um, for heart health, it comes back to three really simple, basic ideas. Eat lots of fruit and vegetables, full of antioxidants, going to support your health in every single way. When it comes to fat, trying to reduce the amount of saturated fat. So those are usually things like anim any animal fat, so dairy um, and red meat in particular, and increasing the good fats in your diet, not having too much of it, but making sure you have some good fats. So those will come from um, vegetable fats, avocados, nuts and oily fish. Oily fish is so good for your heart. And what about mental agility? So is there stuff that, I mean, does food have an effect on that? Or is it like, you know, doing a Sudoku, doing a crossword, that sort of thing? So when it comes to mental agility and 
with aging, there is a decline in cognitive function as well. So your brain ages. And if you look at CT scans or MRI scans as people as we get older, you can actually see the brain shrinking. There's less brain matter and more, more space. But what we know is if you don't use it, you lose it. We see devastating things when people retire. And I always say to my patients that retirement is not a time to kick back and relax. It's the opposite. It's an opportunity to kickstart life, take up all those hobbies that you want to do. And I think generally we are nice people. And as a society, we try to be kind. And when people retire, when when our parents get older or grandparents, we have this mentality of, do you know what? Don't go out and do the garden. I'll come and do it for you. That's wrong. Don't do the heavy shopping carrier bags. I'll come and carry them for you. Don't get on that ladder and do the painting. I'll do it for you. And actually, the message that, that message is wrong. That's not caring for older adults. That is detrimental to our health. And we need to change that societal norm to when people retire or get older, we really encourage them to do more. Okay, if your granddad's going to paint his bedroom, maybe go around and hold the ladder and be there or, you know, help out with the gardening. Um But actually, you'd be being kind to your older relatives if rather than carrying their shopping bags, get them to carry yours. I love that. Right, I'm getting my mum up the chimney. That's sorted. (laughs) Um, And what about uh, teeth and gum health? So, yeah, just like every other part of our body, when it comes to teeth and gum health, as we get older, people are much more likely to get dental caries, much more likely to lose their teeth. um, And that is a double whammy. Um, in that, you know, if your dentition is poorer, then that directly can impact on your health, but also it can impact on what you can eat. And fruits and vegetables often require a lot of chewing, especially if we're going to eat them raw, which is really good for us. So a lot of older people are limited in terms of what they can eat because of their because of their dentition. So, you know, really important to maintain dental hygiene throughout our lives. And because we're living longer, we're needing our teeth and our gums to last much longer. If you go back centuries, we only lived into our 30s and 40s. So in some ways, our teeth are only designed to see us through for maybe four or five decades. So now we're getting into our 80s, 90s and 100s. It's, it's you know, we really, really need to take magnificently good care of our teeth if they're going to last us so brush your little toothy pegs exactly um so 2020 has obviously been um, a massive year for talking about age in regards to coronavirus sort of shielding and staying at home which is one side of things but then even in our total lockdown the government was advising or not advising but allowing the uh, one bit of daily exercise do you think that that will have, um, has had an impact over British society in general. Do you think that's going to, I think it's made people more aware of it and they, people have enjoyed going out and using that time specifically for it. Do you think it's it's encouraged people to exercise more? I think it has encouraged people to exercise more. It's, it's become a bit of a privilege, I think, to a lot of people rather than a chore. Um, but I think what we've seen actually with older people, because a lot of older people have chosen to not leave their homes, to stay at home because they're at higher risk, I think a lot of older people have actually become less active. That little walk to the shops every day is really important to them. It might be the one bit of exercise that they do, but also, just as importantly, 
It's it's a bit of social interaction. It's them engaging their brain as well. It's them interacting with other people. A lot of my patients in lockdown have become very fragile, I would say. They've they've become quite afraid, lost confidence, and perhaps become a little bit weaker as well. So I think my message to people is there's so much you can do in the home to maintain both the the strength of your body and the strength of your mind. And I sometimes say to my patients, right, I'm on the phone to you now. Are you sat down? Yes. Stand up. They'll stand up. I'll say, sit down again. Okay, sit down again. I'll say, I want you to do that 50 times a day. You don't have to do it all in one go. You can break it up into sets of 10. Think about when the adverts come on the TV. Think of that as a trigger. Think about whenever you make a cup of tea or get a drink, doing the 10 sit to stands. And that is enough. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that is enough to help those people to maintain the muscle mass that they might otherwise be losing because they're not getting out and about. And it's enough to just make them feel good as well, to give a little bit of an endorphin boost to make them feel good. So if people are staying at home, then just doing some simple sit-stands and using technology to stay in touch with people um, can really help mitigate some of the, some of the risks that I think we're going to see over the coming months people have suffered because of this prolonged period of of staying at home. Yeah, my dad's uh, knocking on for 70 and he's been uh, he's been doing two Zoom workout classes a week. Um, Legend. Uh, all men, which I, I mean, I would love to see it because he's not the most coordinated, bless him. I think that's where I get it from. <laughs> but I love that the fact that he just, he refers to it as, it's my jumping around now. I've got to go. It's my jumping around class. Love it. Good, <laughs> good for him. And do you know what? <laughs> I sometimes say to people as well, every time you boil the kettle... Do something, whether it's doing some push-ups on the bench, on the surface, doing a few squats, a few lunges, running on the spot, walking on the spot. Just move your body. Yeah, and I think that regardless of age, actually, that is a really good thing to, to sort of, I mean, we can do that now, can't we? I mean, I think I read somewhere that you meant every time you touch water, think about doing like 10 squats. I'll share with you a little, when I'm when I'm giving lectures to healthcare professionals, because we're all obsessed with, um, with fat on our bodies as well, aren't we? So um, I tell them a little fact. So in our bodies, we have an enzyme called lipoprotein lipase. And its job is to break down fat. And that enzyme is always sort of buzzing around our body trying to break down fat. But if you've been sat still for 20 minutes, it switches off. And in order to switch it on again, you just need to be active just to move around for about a minute. So a lot of people will come back and say, ever since you told me that, I think about, you know, my lipoprotein lipase enzyme switching off. So moving, some form of movement every 20 minutes helps your body in a multitude of ways. But that one thing that people remember is that it helps you, helps you fat bust. Oh, blimey, that is interesting. Which actually makes me think we've been sat chatting now for at least 20 minutes, probably <laughs> as have a lot of people who are listening. I'm so let's have, a little, <laughs> let's have a little move around, get moving, get the heart pumping. Oh, and it makes you feel better too. It does make you feel better, it's true. So I suppose um, as we come towards the end of our chat, I think um, stereotypes around ageing are something that, really get on my whip so things like like you've spoken about retirement it's like well that's when you chill out um what really grates on me is when people say um people are talking about their parents or something you know like oh mum and dad have gone on a date night tonight and people will be like oh my god that's so cute that's so yeah. cute oh look at the look at the 
old people pretending to be young and having fun. Like they're real. They think they're real people. It's like don't patronise older people. We just, I just think it needs to be more respected, and you should get more respect as you go old. You shouldn't be like sort of patted on yeah. the head. I agree. Like, people should own it, you know? Being old is amazing. Like, look at Captain Tom Moore. What a legend. What a legend, yeah. He, he kind of, I think he kind of owned it, didn't he? Like, the fact that he was 100 was celebrated because he was 100, but there wasn't really much like, oh, he's 100, he's a, you know, he's an old man. Who do you think are sort of older role models that we should look to? Oh, I know exactly who my role model is. So I have a friend and she's called Eddie. Eddie Brocklesby, or she goes by the name of Iron Gran. She's actually brought out a book called Iron Gran. You know, she was a social worker all her life. She was a wife. She was a mother. She started running, never been active, started running in her 50s, got her first PhD in her 60s, and then in her 70s started doing Ironman triathlons. She's oh now 77, God. and she's so young at heart. She's got hair. She's a white woman, but she's got hair a bit like mine. She's kind of got like a red afro going on. And she's just wicked, and I love her to bits. And, yeah, my mate Eddie is my role model. I want to age like her. Be more iron grand. Yes. That's what we need to exactly. do. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Zoe. It's so nice to speak to you. And I'm going to stand up every 20 minutes because of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Yeah, it's been great. Very welcome. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe to the full series of Deal With It on your favourite podcast platform. And while you're there, if you fancy it, you can give us a little rating. Five stars would be lovely. You don't have to, but if you don't, I will kill again. You have been listening to Deal With It, brought to you by Corsidal Toothpaste. Toothpaste.